Hello and welcome to the second episode of Replatform. We're delighted this week to have um, a highly experienced SEO analytics specialist with us, Jerry White, um, very well known in the industry and never, never shy of sharing his opinions and giving us insights into where things go wrong. So the aim of today's um, uh, podcast is we're going to focus on technical SEO in the context of replatforming. So, you know, technical SEO is such a wide-ranging topic from information architecture, URL schemas, indexation control, etc. What we really want to do is pick Jerry's brain around some of the things that people need to think about that can impact the success of a platform if you don't have the right SEO thinking um, up front. And also we've got Paul, as always, co-hosting there, who's got a huge amount of experience in this area. So first off, I'll stop rambling. Um, Jerry, do you want to give a quick intro to people, what you're currently up to and what your um, background is? Absolutely. So I've been in technical marketing or technical SEO for about um, 15 years. It's sort of, I've been in online for about 20 years, but the first five of it, very much kind of a case of trying to figure out what I should be doing. And SEO wasn't what it is today. So that first five years was more analytics, um, project management, and even building websites for companies. I think I started off building my first website in Word at one point. Then I discovered something amazing called Front Page. So it sort of shows how old I am that no one's ever heard of uh, people actually building websites in this technology anymore. So yeah, uh, today I'm working with Just Eat as the technical SEO lead on uh, international, which means that I'm kind of working across 12 platforms. And a lot of what I'm doing at the moment seems to be focused around replatforming and basically just making sure that nothing breaks as we kind of rebuild a lot of the platform of the website. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, that's going to be interesting to hear any of the international insights because that obviously uh, uh, raises the bar when you're trying to do replatforming across different domains, languages, etc. Um, cool. So I think let's start, let's start at the high level and work down into the nitty gritty. So first thing that I'd, I'd quite like to hear from, from you, Jerry, and also Paul uh, Chipping as well is, yes. is how would you define technical SEO? So help people understand what it really means in the context of platform selection. So what is important? What, what do you need to think about in order to make a sensible platform investment decision? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the reason why is that it's one of those things where SEO people always answer with it depends and, and it depends seems to be the most popular response to anything and everything. Um, getting the right platform is, is the kind of quite challenging in itself, but generally nearly every platform can be used for can be used almost for, for everything. The, the one platforms that do seem to be struggling at the moment from a technical SEO point of view are the cloud-based ones. And I'm seeing more and more of these ones um, where it's kind of like you go Magento or, or something in the cloud and you can't kind of edit things like robots.txt files. So from a technical SEO point of view, it's almost you want to be able to kind of control everything from the header responses, which means whether or not it's it really is a 404 page or a, or a proper page or, or something like that, all the way down to you know, how the, how the HTML is served up. For instance, JavaScript seems to be getting more and more popular nowadays. And again, going back to what I mentioned before, cloud-based platforms are often kind of serving their content increasingly in JavaScript, which means that Google and other search engines, more so other searches than Google, can't kind of truly evaluate how the page looks to a user. So it means your rankings suffer. The other side of it is that, you know, as we start, as you mentioned, international is, is kind of increasingly popular. And more to the point, when you've got multiple languages and you want to be able to kind of define the relationships between pages, that's something that a lot of the time you want control over. So, so going back to the original question, the platform is very much about control. Can you kind of control all of it? Can you add in things like simple redirects? Can you add in all of the kind of the media types, all of the types of page types that you want to? And will you be limited down the line if you kind of decide that you need to add something additional into it? 
Um, I have a question just to add to that. Um, so you've obviously worked on a lot of big um, retail websites and I'd imagine a lot of them have moved from one uh, platform or technology to another. How involved have you been as the kind of SEO input in those discussions and um, decisions? Um, in terms of replatforming, not so much. Generally speaking, a lot of the time they almost turn around and say, oh, we're replatforming to this platform. And I kind of come along and say, uh-oh, that means that you know it's going to be a huge investment because we've got to rebuild this part or we've got to really reevaluate somewhere else. And often I kind of come along with almost the checklist approach where I say, oh, actually, we just need to make sure that this works or, or we, we've got the ability to add this in. So a lot of the time there are different reasons for the replatform. Sometimes it's a commercial reason, like, for instance, one platform has reached end of life and is no longer supported or it's, it's unable to support the number of products that are on the platform or something else. There's often commercial reasons why the replatforming is required and it's not always down to an SEO requirement. But, you know, I've seen it and everybody's seen it where if the SEO fails, then the company will almost almost will go bankrupt. So it is something where big companies really do need to understand that, you know, the, the SEO implications of replatforming are absolutely huge. More so if you get it wrong. Nobody kind of notices if you get it right, but if you get it wrong, everybody notices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think um, the other thing um, on that, so like what in, in a project like that, when would you generally get involved? Would it be kind of nearer to the start or like have you have you found that kind of often you would um, or like be bought in later? Um, yeah. It does seem like from an agency point of view, I've been brought in later. Normally, uh, I can name a couple of times, which I can't really, uh, I shouldn't do, um, in that, you know, they have replatformed and something's got a little bit wrong. They've kind of spotted it that, you know, what what should have been perfect now isn't. And so, you know, I, myself or some, somebody similar has come along and said, well, actually, you know, the, the reason that it's failing is because, you know, X, Y, Z, you can, see, you can see a huge list of reasons why it's not quite working quite right after a replatforming. But that said, I've often been involved earlier on. Um, I worked on a, a big international, site, uh, international travel site being replatformed to Sitecore. And my involvement was right from the start, kind of making sure that everything was going to be perfect, everything was going to be really, really well done. And, you know, and a year later when we finally did it, it was almost completely flawless and it was great to be involved all the way through. And a, a question um, from me on this, because often that point you say about a lot of the time you get bought in further down the line where people have made a decision, they haven't thought through the implication from a technical SEO point of view. A lot of the time I find in projects, you say to people, right, you need a technical SEO because you don't have it in-house, budget this amount, and it's normally a ballpark from a few thousand up to tens of thousands depending on the complexity and size. And then budget holders say, well, no, no, we don't want to spend that money. No, we want to spend it on these other features. But actually, if they get it wrong, it can often come back to biting on the backside and they end up spending 20, 30, 40 grand further down the line to re-architect because they've just hemorrhaged their organic visibility. So how do you, as a, as a consultant, help to manage people's explanations to get them to buy in and understand the important, importance of investment so they don't push it down the line? That's a great question. Um, the really short version is it depends almost, you know, sometimes it's a small e-commerce website and 
And it's going to be a, such a simple task to basically re-platform as long as they do it right. As I sort of mentioned before, it's more often that they do things wrong. Um, that that's when things get really expensive. So doing it right is almost cheaper than doing it wrong. In that, you know, if you do it wrong, to fix things up requires huge amounts of investment to kind of investigate, to kind of get it right, to kind of make sure the redirects are working right. The one thing that I would say is basically the investment comes in time in terms of testing. Developers often know what they want uh, from the output of it but they don't know the sort of subtleties that Google's looking for and the kind of the intricacies that SEOs kind of go well you know if you use the wrong type of redirect here or if you use a redirect that Google can't follow correctly or you've got chains that go for a page that's blocked off from Google or something similar then you know those those little bits of testing it's it's quite time intensive and understanding that you know there will be time investment and the longer the project goes on the more costly it will be um, that you know, you will find that the, the, the costs do stack up. So it's more the fact that if you get it right from the start, and if you make sure that everything's detailed and documented, it will be a lot cheaper in the long run. Yeah, and I think that whole point about um, factoring in time from whoever the SEO um, lead is in testing is, is critical, as you say, because you can have a brilliant specification of what you need, but it's not implemented correctly, and therefore it's counterproductive. Um, which leads me on to the next question, and it's something that that I've often heard people talking about in projects where they say oh, okay right we we need to get our seo requirements defined before we go and talk to people what pre-work do you think an e-commerce team needs to do before looking at vendors because i always say look at technology after you know what you want otherwise it's just a, a, an odd beauty parade but what would you advise people what should you know about your seo requirements before you can meaningfully evaluate a platform yeah I, again it's that classic it depends almost what what the product is and how like that so I mean, the best part about it is the fact that you want to be able to kind of go, you know, I mean, I worked on a light bulb website and one of the things that we wanted to do was have comparisons across all the different product data and, and be able to be searchable across everything. And so, you know, be, being able to kind of like take a platform that's extensible enough that we could kind of put in all of the different requirements, features and facets that were required and make sure that from an SEO point of view, that didn't create kind of like huge spider traps. That was kind of my single biggest requirement of it. For another website, for instance, travel, it, it needed very, very customizable pages based on the based on the locations and based on the time of the year, time data of the requirements, and so on and so forth. So, you know, it, it's a different level of stock management and understanding that you know how a page is seen by users, how the page is seen by search engines. Basically, can the site be crawled? Can Google understand it? And then can Google basically return it all? So, you know, from that point of view, it's, it's kind of all the way down to, you know, is the database customizable to fit the requirements of the product? And then can we build the site architecture around it to kind of say, we can make it so as Google can crawl it and we don't have 20 million paths to get to 200, 300 products, which I've seen before. And how do you go about what, you know, once you've decided what's relevant to the project based on the size of the business, the industry it's working in, the complexity, et cetera, how do you help or what are your tips for doing a proper evaluation? Because one of the classic things that, that, that vendors get sometimes uh, criticized for is, oh, you always say you're SEO friendly, like you're yeah. SEO friendly URLs, which we know means nothing unless it's properly executed. So how do you go from, okay, someone said it's SEO friendly to actually properly pulling that apart and understanding whether it really is in the context of the business? Yeah, I've, the, the easiest thing um, is to kind of look at a, a similar project. So 
for instance, if they say, oh yeah, we did this one or we did the other one, or like that, you look at it and kind of go, actually, this has got major limitations, major problems from that point of view. So it's almost seeing something in the wild, seeing something where they say that the implementation is as good as it's going to be. And if they've got one out, if they've got kind of a previous client example, then that's a great place to start. And even if they haven't, sometimes you kind of go, well, actually, you know, let's take a look at what it says and how it builds it. And, and have the, is there a demo store? Or is there something where you can kind of take a look at the final output and say, Let, let's kind of really, really evaluate what is happening. Um, I mean, the best examples that I've seen recently are company career sites. For some reason, company career sites are never well SEO'd and they're always terrible. And it just seems to be the, the common one where um, I looked at, I'm trying to remember which company it was, but uh, basically they were sort of talking about theirs, theirs as being like SEO friendly. And I'm kind of going, well, you know, the biggest problem is the fact that you use JavaScript across the site, software of course, and loads of other problems. What's stopping them from make, repeating the same problems with us? And what, what's the kind of like, what's the response from them basically on the, if I kind of did a tech audit on, on a, on a sample one, what, what's their kind of like response to say, we won't have these problems going forward? Yeah, um, sorry, Paul, you go. No, no, I was just gonna say, going back to um, something you said earlier about the SaaS platforms and mm. uh, not being able to edit the robots.txt and maybe not having as much control over URLs and things like that. Um, in a scenario like that, if you've got a business that where the platform really makes sense to them and is really aligned with their kind of objectives going into a project, um, how important do you think those areas in particular, some of those kind of common restrictions to the SaaS platforms are, um, and kind of how would you go about working around them? And then also, how would you kind of manage expectations in that scenario? Well, one of the things that I do believe that a lot of SEOs do badly is they don't work with the limitations that they've almost got. So for instance, you know, you mentioned the SaaS platforms and um, if you can't edit, edit the robots.txt file, maybe that's not the end of the world. Maybe there's something else that you can do. Sometimes there's hacks you can do with JavaScript. Sometimes there's solutions that you can do, you know, in other ways. Um, and you just accept the limitations you've got because the business, you know, if you're talking about a relatively small business, like not an enterprise level business, often it makes far more sense for them to be on a hosted um, budget sort of platform that means that they're not going to worry about the website being hacked. They're not going to worry about all the all the maintenance and, and requirements that go ahead with kind of managing your own website. It is critical that, you know, you do understand that as they grow and they expand, they can be moved off it. So it's not the end of the world if they decide to go for a sort of a limited platform for a limited period. So, you know, two to three years, they start off on, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, but like the Shopify or something like that, that is, that is kind of like a SaaS platform that actually meets all of their short-term needs. Yeah. And, you know, SEO is, absolutely critical but so is the fact that you know they've got to be able to afford to maintain manage keep it running make sure it's scalable make sure it's it's delivering constantly and that's what a lot of these platforms do really well is the fact they're always up the the uptime for them is incredibly high and they don't have to invest in admins who are running the site you know over yeah. the weekends and things like that yeah absolutely i mean i had a situation recently um where basically a business really wanted to move to one of the SaaS platforms um, there was quite a lot of compromise on the SEO side. So uh, main one was that they had to change every URL across the site. And the other one was that um, they had to change the international domains because the platform didn't allow for subfolders. Um, but essentially, uh, when we kind of looked at the compromise and then looked at the potential loss of like mostly non-brand organic, um, they decided that the long-term benefits outweighed the short-term 
um, hit that they would probably see. Um, is that something that you've had to deal with in the past where you've kind of had to just kind of set expectations around that kind of stuff and, um, yeah, and almost just talk people through it? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a classic SEO guy. I always want everything to be perfect. I want everything to be done my way. I don't ever want to kind of find that, you know, the problems that are going to occur are going to be problems that, you know, are SEO issues. And that's the same with, I think, every SEO guy out there. At the same time, you're always working with a client which will have problems, which will have limitations. I've never met the perfect platform that I kind of turn around and say, you know, no problems at all. Um, the, there's always going to be some reason that it could be done better. And, and you know, the classic thing is an SEO guy can often figure out a solution for it. XML sitemaps are one of the classic ones where you kind of go, well, actually, I want this particular XML sitemap. One of the things you can do, for instance, host it externally and you can kind of go, well, actually, we'll do it like this and we can reference it using Google Webmaster Tools and it will still work. So from the point of view of being an SEO guy, there's always going to be compromises, there's always going to be limitations. And usually any good SEO guy is more about the user experience than kind of like those, those technical limitations. The only kind of compromise that I struggle with at the moment, and this is the one that does seem to be everywhere, is, is bad JavaScript. And by that, I mean, not JavaScript that Google can easily trans, uh, sort of look at and render properly itself, but stuff where it just breaks all the time for Google and so on and so forth. That's the one limitation where I, I do struggle with. Um, but yeah, going back to the original question, it is, it is totally challenging to say, well, actually, you know, we've got to get this live. We've got to get this done. This is kind of a step forward for everything except this particular area. And this particular area we can cope with for two years and let's kind of get it done. Let's get the business moving. Otherwise, we'll, we'll be kind of here in two years' time we'll trying to figure out how to kind of get the basics of the shop up. I think that's such an important point is, you know, as you said to you earlier, no platform's perfect. No one has an endless budget and endless resource, so you can't sit there deliberating over everything and get it perfect, but you have to find compromise. I guess what I'm quite interested in your viewpoint on is, is people are getting more and more obsessed with performance and speed and that whole UX element of it, which is, you know, you would say about time, it should have been done long ago, but the technology has increased rapidly to enable people to speed up performance and read more lightweight code. So things like you know, single page apps, progressive web apps, etc. And they are, there are different viewpoints to them, single page apps. I've read an equal number of articles from a you know, technical essay point of view saying these are great and others saying they're the devil be well. Do you have any strong views in terms of the, the modern technologies and which ones are actually really positive for SEO versus those which create new problems that you have to really understand? They all create new problems and you do yeah. have to understand them. Um, so, I mean, yeah, basically, like a lot of the websites I'm working with at the moment are built in React or Vue. And, you know, we are making sure that things are pre-rendered, things are fixed up and all like that. And that's, you know, that, that special compromise between JavaScript and I think Google are calling it universal JavaScript, where, you know, you provide Google with enough HTML to get it started and be able to find the content, to find the links and all like that. The JavaScript kind of adds the source, it enhances the experience. I know a lot of people hate JavaScript from an SEO point of view, and that's because so many developers do it wrong. Um, I've, I've heard so many, I've had, so many discussions with developers where it's like they kind of turn around and say, yeah, but Google just understands JavaScript. And I'm looking at, at the JavaScript that's being produced by them. And I kind of go, yeah, sure, but it doesn't understand this JavaScript. It doesn't understand the way you've implemented your links. It doesn't understand the fact that your 404 page is wrong. Um, Spa or single page apps, which you mentioned just now, and progressive web apps, this technology is amazing stuff. This is really, really going to enhance the experience of, of users across the internet. Um, for 
for people who don't know what this means, it means that you know you load like the the top, the bottom, all of the parts of the website that never change, and then you just kind of pull in the the kind of the HTML, the code for the the main part, the navigation part, and so you know it's much faster, it's much better user experience. And on top of that, the, the browser bar still changes the URL. Everything about it feels like it's an old-style website. It's just faster, smoother, cleaner. And if Google comes along and loads one of those URLs, it still loads the pages you're kind of seeing it there. So it's not a problem at all from, for SEO, as long as it's all built correctly. And this is kind of the biggest issue, is kind of turning around saying, you know, we've got to test this to a, a degree far beyond what we're kind of doing for users when we're talking about single page apps and JavaScripts and things like that, because, you know, the inconsistent URLs are going to be found, the, the problems with site architecture, kind of the duplicate content issues, the, the lack of the 404 page, um, all these things can create serious issues for websites. And if you don't get it kind of almost perfect, it will be quite expensive because Google's going to come along and turn around and basically say that, you know, it'll do something where it kind of canonicalizes the page to a, a different page, for instance. I saw this on a, a huge website where they decided hundreds of articles weren't actually separate pages. It decided they were all the same page and it basically said that all of these, it was all kind of duplicate content and because Google couldn't understand the relationships between the pages and because it was using like a software or four, it didn't understand that this wasn't all like one single page. And the way in which you could find this out is going in the Google Search Console and looking at all of the different pages and seeing what it considers to be the canonical. So it was something that was easy to diagnose, but their, their visibility in Systrix just fell through the floor. And that means that you know, their traffic dropped off for huge amounts of investment and in content because it just wasn't perfectly implemented. Yeah, and I, I think this is a common theme that's come out of a few of the questions we've been discussing tonight is that the relationship between SEOs and developers is, is hugely important from the start of the project through the development, through the test and release and even and ongoing afterwards because let's face it, future releases can screw up things that previously have been working fine. I think that's probably quite a nice point to, to, to like emphasize to people of how important it is if the SEO speaks to the developers and vice versa. Yeah, that's that's usually been my biggest um, issue almost is the fact that, you know, I it's a hearts and minds operation. You kind of go in, you, you train all the developers, everybody's got it perfect. And then six months, 12 months time, you know, a few of the developers left, a few of the new developers have come in and, and things have crept through that you didn't quite notice. And suddenly you kind of find that actually a lot of the pages, the template has a, has a key problem. It creates spider traps, it creates URL issues, it creates duplicate content issues. Something's kind of injected into it in a way that maybe would conflict with Google's preferred guidelines. And these things can just creep in. And because if you're not kind of constantly testing, constantly looking, it is really hard not to spot everything that happens. Um, there's a few tools out there like Content King and uh, what's, what's the other one? Um, Dom's tool. Um, oh, God, I've tried to remember it. So, um, anyways, yeah, Little Warden, that's it, yeah. These tools and things like that that kind of allow you to keep an eye on everything changing all the time. If you're agency side or, or client side and you're working with a lot of different websites, being able to monitor everything is, is, a, is a daily challenge or a weekly challenge in itself. And if things mess up in, in days, you can kind of find the visibility of a website drops. I did spot that there was a huge, big um, commercial website selling um, fried chicken at one point that robots TXT'd out their entire site for about a month or so. It was, it was incredible to kind of like see that, you know, big companies often actually robot TXT out their entire, entire site and don't seem to notice for weeks. Yeah. Um, I have a question. So James and I were talking just before 
Um, start recording this. Um, and I was saying to James that one of the things that I find fascinating is the idea of doing SEO at the scale that you do it at. So obviously you now work with Justy and before you've worked at BBC and Premier Farnell. Um, how have you found that, that differs from working with kind of like a mid-market retailer? And also how have you kind of gone about creating like an SEO culture in those businesses? I realize you just talked about bits of that. No, absolutely. Um, the good thing about Justy is that they are really, really pro SEO at the moment. And the great thing is the fact that, you know, anytime there's a project, anytime there's a team, I kind of get involved quite early on. And normally it's, it's kind of a case of talking to them about what they want out of it, what the implications are for SEO, and just testing as we go along. It is a really, really good place from that point of view. The only downside is the fact that we release um, basically every day except maybe Friday because we kind of have a bit of a code freeze on Friday. So every day there's code going out. And so if I go on holiday for a couple of weeks, it's scary what I'll come back to. Um, and, and from that point of view, we do use tools like, as I mentioned before, we use um, SEMrush, we use Deepcrawl to kind of monitor huge amounts of uh, pages constantly. And I use Screaming Frog constantly. Every time I kind of go, oh, this is interesting, this looks a bit different. I run Screaming Frog over it, I run a few other tools over it. We use, um, there's, we use Lighthouse in the cloud, which means that we're constantly monitoring hundreds of pages using kind of the Lighthouse, which is a page speed auditing tool. And all of this results goes into BigQuery. Um, Simo Ava has written a blog post on this. He and I had a recent conversation that we could do find the results a little bit um, challenging in that it doesn't kind of fully match if you run it on a desktop, but it is a great way to monitor hundreds and hundreds of different pages. And from a pure point of view of kind of doing it the scale, not a lot really changes. It's almost the same. It's just kind of making sure that nothing breaks faster. That makes sense. Yeah, re really interesting insights because doing everything at scale brings in other challenges, especially around all the different stakeholders involved. Um, Jerry, that's been, been really interesting and I'm sure we could probably carry on with firing loads and loads of questions on you, but um, I think anybody who wants to follow up conversations with Jerry um, on this can, can hunt him down through social media. I think um, just a quick parting thing before we wrap up, it'd be really useful for you to just um, spend a little bit of time telling everyone about Take It Offline. So I think anyone who's interested in SEO, ex expanded SEO knowledge and connecting with, with Jerry and other smart people in the industry um, might be interested in, in taking a look at what you're doing and the events you're doing and the content you're putting out there. Oh, amazing, yeah. So Take It Offline is something which started off as kind of a small pub meetup type thing, which apparently every meetup does. Um, it's kind of was something where we sort of decided that it'd be great to kind of basically talk through with local businesses and um, agencies about what their problems was and how to kind of handle it. And it's kind of grown a little bit from there. And we've done sort of more classic um, presentation type things, but it, it is very much about how do we get people talking? How do we get the experts talking to other experts and talking to people who have got real problems? We managed to do an event in Amsterdam um, a couple of weeks back where we basically got a, a kind of unconference style, which we sort of stole the idea from Measure Camp, where we basically, we got as many people as we could sort of talking about the, the biggest problems, the biggest challenges they've got. And in actual fact, there's a, an event in about a week's time, which um, this podcast will probably be out too late to kind of market to, but basically it's, it's kind of talking through SEO disasters, just in a pub around a pint. We've kind of learned that often the best conversations aren't the presentations that happen, but the conversations after the presentation, when you actually talk to the presenter or the, the people who are kind of like on a panel and say, hey, look, I, I appreciate what you're saying there, but I found this. What do you think about this? And, and you know, it's very hard to, in a 20-minute presentation to really 
kind of have that conversation. And we try to kind of focus more around the conversations. There's going to be a, uh, we're going to do it in Bucharest next year, hopefully. And we're going to do it um, again, probably in Amsterdam, maybe in the same year as well. So yeah, have a look at ticketoffline.co.uk and hopefully we'll figure out how to update the website because we broke it recently. But, um, but check it out, come along to an event and yeah, there's usually free beer. Excellent. You just need to find a good SEO to help you on that website now and you'll be sorted. <laughs> uh, thanks for sharing on that. And I can vouch for it. I came to one of the London Take Off lines and it was really useful. Met some, some very smart people. So, And thanks for giving up your time and for sharing the insights, Jerry. Always appreciate it and always good to chat to you. No worries. Have a saucy soon. All right. Take care. See you. Cheers.